And you know, one, one of the marks of a good storyteller is that he's able to, or she's able to, communicate the, the master plot or the main plot of the story, but at the same time develop these little subplots within the story. And as they develop these subplots in the story, they actually point you to the greater story and the main story. And then as you see all of this unfold as you read through the story or you participate in the story and you see it unfold, the genius and the beauty and the creativity and the greatness of the author is known. And tonight in this passage in Acts 9, we're going to see uh, a story within a story. We're going to see the great story of what God's doing and then we're going to see the story within the story about what God's doing in the life of individuals in order to point them to the greater story. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And before we, we dive into Acts 9 there, I just want, you, I want to ask this question to you and to me. You know, how is God putting His great story of redemption on display in your life? I just ask myself that question. How is God putting on display to the world what he's been doing all along, and that is bringing people to himself, reconciling people to himself. How is he putting that on display in my life? Where I live, with the people I'm around, how is he doing that? Well, in this chapter, chapter 9, we've seen earlier on that uh, Luke focuses in on the conversion and the transformation of Saul, who will later become Paul. But Saul's life is intersected by the gospel, by who Christ is. He's changed, and we see it in the way he responds to those around him. He goes out and he's telling people about who Jesus is. He's making arguments that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. And uh, he gets all types of different responses, but we see his transformation and his conversion earlier on. And then he moves, Luke moves us through chapter 9, and we get to these verses, from verses 32 through 43, and the focus shifts from Saul to Peter. And at first we're going to look at this great story. What is Luke communicating through not only these men, but even in his gospel and now in Acts? What is the greater story that Luke is trying to get across? And then we'll look at the story within the story. The greater story that Luke is trying to get across, we actually see hints of it in chapter 1 of Acts in verse 8, when it says, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And he says this in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the greater story through the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is that Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah of God. He is the one that God is bringing people to himself through. And the gospel, this good news about Christ, is not just for the Jew, but it's for the nations. And that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. The gospel is going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to permeate through Jerusalem. And then it's going to shoot out through Judea, Samaria, Galilee. And when we pick it up here tonight in verse 32, it's on the cusp of breaking into a whole new people group. And that's what we'll see in the book of Acts from here on out as uh, Luke picks up the character Peter and then later he'll go back to Paul 
but the thrust of it is the forward progress of the gospel, the gospel going to the nations. That's what Luke is sharing with Theophilus and with us. That the gospel did not remain in Jerusalem. It's not just for the Jew, it's for the world. God is reconciling all men to himself through Jesus Christ. And so this is the greater story. That God is in the business of redeeming people. Bringing a family together through Christ. Marking out a people for himself who will love him. And love other people. That's what he's doing. That's the great story that he's, that he's accomplishing and that Luke is referring to here. And these, these questions I want to ask you kind of go along with that first question. But the first one is, you know, how does God use our stories to tell his greater story? Or is our story just kind of all about us all the time? Or is there some way that we... we could live our lives in a way that the main character is God. That it points people into a greater story about what God's doing, except for what just we're doing here, right? But it's connecting people to God's greater story. And what would that even look like? What, what would it look like to live a life that is not about you or not about me, but it's more about what God's doing in the world? Your story would be pointing people to God's greater story. So in essence, it would be the story within the story. Your life being transformed by Christ, transforming others through Christ. And so when we turn our attention to verse 36, when we look at these two instances uh, the first one, Aeneas, we'll come back to him in just a moment. But I really want to focus in on this second uh, miracle that we see Peter performing on the woman named Tabitha or Dorcas. And so let's pick it up at verse 36. It says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Now her name, one's a Hebrew Aramaic name and the other one's a Greek name, but they both mean the same thing. They mean gazelle. So I'm not sure why they named her after a gazelle, but she was. And we've probably all uh, you know, got on the internet at some point or flipped open a book and tried to figure out what does my name mean? Now we don't necessarily seek out names with you know, correlating meaning like your name means deer or elephant, you know, things like that, but... I guess her name means gazelle, and that's fine. You know, no big deal. And uh, I'm going to refer to her, refer to her as Tabitha, simply because Dorcas. I don't know. I just kind of want to laugh every time I say that. So I don't want to, you know, distract us by calling her Dorcas. So we're going to focus on Tabitha. We're going to use that name for her. And uh, what strikes me here is not only that she was a disciple; she was in Joppa which is several miles outside of Jerusalem. And the town of Joppa may uh, bring different thoughts to your mind, but one thought may pop into your mind is that this is where a certain person fled to, to escape what God wanted to do through him. And his name was Jonah. And he fled to Joppa, which was a port city, uh, to flee to Tarshish, away from Nineveh, you know, as far as he could get. But she lives there in Joppa, and somehow she has come to know Christ. 
as her Savior. And her life has been transformed by Christ. Now, how she heard the gospel, we don't know. Maybe it was through the persecution that came, that we saw about, uh, that we read about in Acts 7 and 8. There was this persecution on the church in Jerusalem. And some were uh, pushed out of Jerusalem. And they went all different places. We know Philip went out and encountered a few people, a few cities. And so somehow, Tabitha hears the gospel and she responds to Jesus as her Savior. But another thing that strikes me is the next phrase that Luke uses to describe her when he says this. He says, she was full of good works and acts of charity. Isn't that just refreshing to know that not only was Tabitha someone who embraced Christ by faith, but that if you had to describe her life, it was full of good works and charity. It was the gospel on display all the time. And to be someone who is full of good works and acts of charity, this isn't just occasionally they do something nice for somebody, but this is somebody that is stamped by this. This characterizes her life. She is a person who is characterized by good works and acts of charity. I just think that is very refreshing. That tells me this person knew Christ because look at her life. It was just transformed. She was a blessing to those around her. And so she was full of good works and acts of charity. And we see from uh, later on in the passage that one of the ways that she was full of good works and acts of charity is that she would seek out the good of her neighbor. Because isn't that what God does for us? I mean, He, he seeks out our good. He works all things for our good. Now, we know that that is somewhat mysterious at times and, it, and you know, it entails a lot of different acts of God, both uh, giving us encouragement and discipline and all those wrapped in together to make us who He wants us to be. But it says later in this passage that one of the things that she did was to make tunics and other garments for the widows in her community. And she may have been a widow herself, but she was a widow, perhaps, in this community in Joppa, and she perceived a need in her community. There were widows who were going, perhaps, without clothing, and she said to herself, what can I do to help? Well, I can, I can make some clothing, and she does that, and she makes the clothing for the people around her. She's seeking their good. She's seeking to meet her, their needs. And uh, in verses 37 through 39, look how people respond to her death. It said, in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the, win all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. And this woman's life, this redemptive story of God was making its way out of her life and into the lives of those around her. And as you hear that, that she, she made clothing for those who perhaps didn't have clothing. My mind goes back to Matthew 25. I want to read you 
what Jesus said in that passage. He said this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So Tabitha, as well as these people that are mentioned in this passage that Jesus will uh, announce coming to the kingdom on that day, both people, both groups of people, experienced the grace of God. And because of that, they were able to demonstrate the grace of God. They experienced it. They felt it, they sensed it, they understood it, and then they made it known. And the way Tabitha did it was by making clothing for the widows. And I'm sure she did other things as well, but specifically, we know she did that. These, these people, Tabitha especially, that we see here in this passage, they were able to demonstrate grace because they've experienced grace. They were able to show and, and, and to demonstrate love because they have been loved by God in Christ. They were able to demonstrate mercy because they were recipients of mercy. You cannot give away what you do not have. You, you will never live a life characterized by good, good works and acts of charity, by grace, love, and mercy, if you've never tasted of those virtues and those things. You, you cannot give away what you do not have. And for many of you, and myself included, we look back at our past, and some of us, have, have we have experienced grace, love, and mercy in our relationships with one another, and our families, and our friends at different degrees. Some of you experienced great love and grace and mercy from your families, friends growing up, whatnot. Some of you did not. And I'm not sure which camp Tabitha fell into, but we know this, that she had experienced the grace and the love and the mercy through Christ. And once that sank in her heart, it exploded outward to the people around her. And she did it in very tangible ways. Making tunics, making garments, whatever it was that she could do to meet the needs of those around her to demonstrate the grace, the love, the mercy of God. And so the question is, what are we, what are we demonstrating? Have we experienced the grace of God in Christ? Have we experienced the love of God? Have we experienced the mercy of God? Because we can't give away what we don't have. 
You know, we are a vessel. We are a conduit. And unless we're tapped into the one in whom all love, grace, mercy reside, how are we going to demonstrate that to other people in a way that doesn't put the spotlight on us, but puts the spotlight on the author of the great story of redemption? And what I found, and I'm sure what you find as well, as we grow in our understanding and as we reflect more and more on what Christ has done for us, and that begins to just sink into our soul more and more. We can't help but be like Tabitha. We can't help but demonstrate and uh, you know, let the grace and the love and the mercy flow. You can't help it. You can't hold it in. You know, when Tabitha died, it left a void in the community. You know, as you read that, you sense that. When she died, there was a void. You know, they didn't really know what to do. I mean, she died and they were, what do we do? What do we do? Well, first, we do something that's very customary. We wash her body. That's normal. But then they do something kind of unique. They, they put her body in the upper room. And you think, well, why would they do that? And we're not sure exactly why they did that, but perhaps they did that. They knew Peter was near. They had heard probably the reports of, of Peter healing Aeneas. And they were thinking, well, go get Peter. Ask him to come here quickly. Maybe, maybe he will know what to do. And so they put her body up there. Maybe thinking that Peter could pray for her and Christ would raise her from the dead, even there. Now, one thing I want to point out here in this passage is that notice that they sent for Peter instead of just praying for her to be healed at that moment. Isn't that interesting that they sent for Peter instead of praying themselves that Christ would raise her from the dead? And I think they did that because as you read through the book of Acts, you realize that it seems like Jesus gave the apostles certain abilities that other Christians just didn't have. It was the apostles that were going through and doing all these healings and raising people from the dead to solidify the message and what they were preaching. But not just anyone really could do that. And so maybe that's what's going on here. They didn't pray for her to be raised from the dead, but they said, you know, Peter... He's in a neighboring town. Let's go get him, see if he'll come. And he comes. So he's on his way here. There's a void in the community. And I can't help but think, you know, if, if I were gone today, or if we were gone, if everyone in this room was gone today, would there be a void in this community? I mean, would we be missed? You know, if our church was just gone, would there be a void? There was clearly a void when, when she left. And look how Peter responds when he comes back to them in verses 40 through 43. This is what he does. It says, But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, Arise. 
And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Peter prays, Jesus brings her to life. Obviously, this is a very joyous occasion. You know, and, th- and this is a story about you know, Tabitha's life was transformed by the gospel, and through her life, others around her were being transformed as well. Her transformation led to their transformation. Her story, her life story, pointed her community to the greater story. Through simple acts of kindness, the way she carried herself, the words perhaps that flowed from her mouth, it all was geared in this subplot to point people to the main plot. What God was doing. God's bringing the people to Himself. He's reconciling people to Himself. And I want you to notice how people responded to what Peter did in Lydda and in Joppa. Look at verses 35 and 42. Verse 35 says, And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, speaking of Aeneas, the one who was healed, and they turned to the Lord. And then in verse 42, And it became known throughout all Joppa, about the you know, rising or raising uh, tablet from the dead. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You know, what struck me about these last concluding verses in each of these stories is that Luke doesn't record that people just flock to Peter and ask to be healed. Doesn't that strike you as odd? He doesn't highlight the fact that people just ran to Peter to be healed physically. But what he says is, you know what happened? People flocked to Jesus to be redeemed. That's who they flocked to. Because Christ performed this through Peter in this story and in this story to tap into the greater story, to point people to the greater story, what's really going on in the world. And so, you know, we know God is redeeming people. He's doing it here in Augusta. And for all of us, many of us have embraced Christ. We've, we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. You know, we have experienced a degree of His grace and love and His mercy. Maybe not everyone. And if you haven't, if you're still trying to build your life apart from God, I encourage you to turn to Christ. Because that is where love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, life, that's where it's found. And so turn to Christ. And I want you to think about this as we conclude tonight. I want you just to reflect on your own story. We're all unique. You know, God has these unique plans for us. He's doing unique things in our lives. And yet He, he brings us to Himself through the same Savior. And He's using all of our lives to point people to the one story. And I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, when people read my life, what do they come away with? 
Are they, are they getting a glimpse of who God is and what He's done in Christ? You know, this story of Tabitha, for me, is very refreshing. Because it shows you the goodness and the grace and the power of God to work through just an individual in a community of widows. And I think, what can God do here? What can God do through you and through me? If we're just a conduit of His grace and point people through our work, through how we love, how we talk, how we carry ourselves, point people to Christ, what, what could He do? So as I pray tonight, I want to close in prayer. And I just want you to realize that each of your story is part of the greater story of God bringing a people to Himself. So let me pray for us. God, we're so thankful for Luke and how through your Holy Spirit you inspired him to write down these accounts. And for me personally, just being refreshed by reading about Tabitha and your grace and mercy and love and how it just flowed through her in very tangible ways in her city. And how when she died there was a void and people just cared for her. And as we see your power raising her from the dead and healing Aeneas, we see people flocking to you. I I pray, God, as we carry ourselves this week, even how we deal with our our mistakes and our times that we uh, make bad choices, even those times, God, I pray how we deal with those would point people to the greater story of what you're doing all around the world. And that is bringing people to yourself. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Christ. And it's his name we pray. Amen.